go to Matthew chapter 6 if you're joining us for the first time. Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 13. It's what we call our anchor verse. This has been the uh, pieces of scripture that has uh, anchored this series that we've been calling Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. Whenever you pray, everybody shall pray? Pray. pray. Everybody shall pray? pray? Pray. You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. When you pray, so Jesus is telling us that we are going to pray. Pray, Prayer is a part of our spiritual journey. It's a part of our faith walk. He says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine that they'll be heard for their many words. And that word babble we discovered a couple weeks ago. It's really the idea of using nonsensical words, like just saying things that are, that are at random, but there actually should be specificity and, and, and structure to the way that we pray, that, that we know what it is that we are praying for. That's why we take this moment in service to pray for sickness and, and those who are experiencing different things. So we're being straight about it. He says, therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. And then he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today, as we continue on in our series, Your Kingdom Come, I wanna speak to you from the subject, Kingdom Will. Kingdom Will, as we look at what it means to pray, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we worship you. We give you this space, speak to us right now. We are all coming in here with different backgrounds and thought processes, ideologies and ideas of what this thing called faith is, more specifically who you are. And so God, right now I ask that you would just make yourself known to us, that your word would come alive to us right now, that we would know you better than how we came in, that we would be in your presence and encounter your power in and through your word this morning. We know that where your spirit is, there is freedom. And so, God, right now, as we dig into your word, as we look at the gospel, the good news, I pray that you would set us all free this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. Amen. Um, I was in a hostage negotiation last week with a three-year-old who has the personality of her mother. Typically with her mom, I lose those negotiations very quickly. My wife is a master arguer, and so she wins most times. Shout out to my wife. Hey, baby. Right? So I was in this conversation with my three-year-old the other day. Parents of three-year-olds, how many of you know what I'm talking about? There's not really a conversation. It's really just a battle uh, as to who's smarter and who's going to get louder. Um, She won really quick. And so I'm having this conversation with her, and, and mid-conversation, I'm trying to figure out what it is that she's actually asking for, okay? So I'm asking her to do something, and she's telling me what she's going to do, right? <laughs> Typically, it starts with what we now call in our house pops, okay? Pops are actually just fruit snacks in a little, in a little baggie, but what, how I open them is I pop the bag, and it pops, and so now she calls them pops. It's kind of cool. Like, it's fun. Dad, pops, dad, pops. And I'm like, no, it's 7.30 in the morning. There are no pops, right? There's cereal, there's eggs, there's bacon, normal food, okay? Not pops. It's just, no, pops. How do I explain this to you? No, pops. And then she looks at me, she's like, pops, (laughs) right? 
My wife gave her this bob haircut, so now she's three-year-old going on 14-year-old is what she looks like. And so, and she's got an attitude. She's got this, like, smirk. She'll look at you, and if you've met her before or talked to her before, she'll, like, lean her head to the side and kick up the side of her lip and give you the stank eye. That's what she did to me at 7.30 in the morning during this hostage negotiation over pops. She looks at me, and she goes, no, pops. <laughs> and so we went back and forth. Now, if you know me... My personality, I'm an eight on the Enneagram and I'm a driver. So I was like, I will stay in this conversation with you until Jesus himself comes back. I will not relent. No, pops. (laughs) As I was in that conversation with my three-year-old the other day, I kind of realized this is how you and I many times approach God in prayer. We're asking God to do our will rather than seeking and praying for his will. God, I want pops. He's like, no, bacon and eggs. No, pops. You fill in the blank as to what the request may be, but many times we come to the space of prayer and and consideration, engagement with God, and what we're really asking is God to do our will. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Many times it's, will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? I need you to do my will instead of approaching him from the other side of what is his will and say, God, I I want that. I mean, come on, parents. How many of you would agree with me? How great would the day be where the kids come into the room at 7.30 in the morning? Oh, mom and father, we beseech thee, therefore, Tell us the ways of your will that I should do it. Come on, that's a good Monday morning right there. Not going to (laughs) happen. I've kind of discovered along the journey of of this prayer thing that I do the same. So I don't speak to you from a, from a pulpit of perfection today. I speak to you rather from a, a, a dude who's trying to figure this thing out as well. Because if I'm honest with you, I approach God very much the same way, especially in times of trial, temptation, pain, suffering, moments that we've been in. Come on, anybody with me today? So we go to God in this way, but what I want to do today is I want to look at what it means to actually understand God's will And then next week, we're going to connect the second part as to what then our prayers look like in accordance with praying for his will. Does that make sense? Because for many of us, we have to come first to the place of understanding this idea of God's will. We need to take some time to work through what it means to say, God, your will be done. Because for many of us, the idea of God's will, if we're honest, is convoluted and confusing at best. Anybody with me? Somebody says God's will, and it's this big, mystic, powerful reality that we don't really understand, and so we wrestle with it. I've come to realize, how many of you have played with a Rubik's Cube before? Show of hands. Most of us in here. How many of you, like me, hate the Rubik's Cube and eventually want to throw it at a wall or a person? I've come to realize that the will of God for a lot of us is like that Rubik's Cube. We're trying to figure it out. We twist it. We manipulate it. We try to find out how it goes and what it looks like. And have you ever got to that place on the Rubik's Cube where you think that you just got it? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a genius. And then you flip it over and you're like, oh, it's still confused. Red's with the whites, green's with the blue, yellow's with the red, right? Like you're like, come on, man, what's the deal with this? And I think that's how a lot of us look at the will of God. The Bible wants us to see that his will, knowing his will and understanding his will 
is actually not as complicated as it seems. Can I get an amen this morning? Come on online if you're with me. Can you shout amen in the, in the chat section, right? Paul the Apostle, writing to the Colossian church, speaks very clearly to this issue that we are all facing concerning God's will. Watch what he says. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14, he says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. So here's Paul praying for the Colossian church. He says, this is what we're asking. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power. Come on, this is good news right here. According to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share with the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. This is a massively awesome scripture. And it all stems from God's will. He says, I'm praying that you would know the will of God. And because you know the will of God, all of these things start to take shape and form in your and my life. As Paul admonishes the Colossian church, he points us towards some very significant truths concerning the will of God. That's what I want to wrestle with today. You guys with me this morning? All right, so I want to take a look at a couple of these truths. If you're taking notes, bust them out. If you've got your your binders, your notebooks, I don't know who brings a binder anymore. That was a weird comment. (laughs) Binders, that's bad. That was old school. (laughs) That was when when I wore overalls. All right, so did any of you wear overalls, guys? Did you do that? It's the front row. Everybody else is like, no, that's nonsense. Come on, crisscross never made you jump, jump. Yeah, yeah, dumb, dumb. All right, sorry. Stop it now. All right. (laughs) I lost them. They're gone. Everybody's gone. Here's the first truth that we got to wrestle with this morning about God's will. The greatest knowledge we can possess is the knowledge of God's will. I know that's super simple. But how many times would you agree with me that we make it super confusing? The greatest knowledge we can possess is the knowledge of God's will. That's why Paul prays. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. We'll talk about this more last week, but if I can just simplify it. When I'm filled with the knowledge of his will, then my prayers contain the knowledge of his will. And so now I'm praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayer is that we are asking that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And this knowledge is the greatest knowledge we can possess. Once again, Paul clarifies it for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Bible, I need us to hear Bible, not my opinion, okay? And this is what he says, don't be foolish. I love that. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this is what we need to understand is that foolishness is the absence of understanding God's will. Someone once said it like this, to know God and his will is to know his highest and his best for our lives and the purpose of his heart. We'll talk about that much more next week, but this is what I need us to understand. His will is so much more than what we will be when we grow up. Come on, many of us approach the idea of understanding God's will from the perspective of like, God, just like, what, what am I gonna be? Tell me what I'm going to be when I grow up. What is my vocation going to be? And his will is so much more than our vocation. We'll discover that next week as we actually look at what the Bible tells us about his Will. See, knowledge of the will of God leads us to understanding what he purposes to do and how he wishes us to be involved with it. 
George W. Truett said it like this, to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To find the will of God is the greatest discovery. And to do the will of God is the greatest achievement. And as one author writes, the abstract ideas of the mind of God are far above our reach. The practical thoughts and laws and commandment of his will are what has most clearly been revealed. So much of our time and our energy is spent on the abstract idea of who God is and what his will is, isn't it? Come on, how many of you agree with me right now? Show of hands. We love the spectacular. No one wants to raise their hand. They're like, oh, I'm not going to admit to that. Right? We love the, the, the bright and the glitzy ideas of what God is and who God is and what God wants to do. But many times I have found that his will is not bright and glitzy and spectacular. It's actually simple, kind of mundane, and many times it's dressed up in ways that we didn't see it coming. We tend to miss his will because we believe that it's more spectacular than it actually is. Many times his will for our life is dressed up as the coworker I don't want to talk to, the spouse I don't want to forgive, and the brokenness I do not want to over- overcome, or the reconciliation I'm trying to avoid. What I'm letting us know today is that the will of God is dressed up many times as the simple things we try to avoid. We love the idea of the will. If he says you're going to stand on a platform in front of thousands, you're going on the voice, you shall win. (laughs) Right? You're going to get that promotion. That business will become a multi-million dollar bit. We like that idea of his will. But what if his will is, hey, right now after this service, husbands, wives, you need to walk out Grab some coffee with each other, sit down, look each other in the eyes, and say, I'm sorry. Come on. Can we talk real in church today? This is what the psalmist would mean in Psalm 86, verse 11. He said, Teach me your way. Teach me your way, Lord. And I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. See, we all desire knowledge at some level or another. And now in our generation right now, at the push of a button, come on, we can receive as much knowledge as we want to. And it's interesting that we would be told that knowledge actually puffs up that it actually makes us arrogant, that it actually makes us cocky at times. And I'm not saying that we don't gain understanding and that we don't find knowledge in all kinds of different things. I love reading books. But what I'm saying at the end of the day, if we are going to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I need to fill my head, I need to fill my heart, I need to fill my soul with the knowledge of his good and perfect will. It's his will. The reason... That we miss the will of God is because we're not actually asking to be filled with it. We're asking God to fill us with all kinds of other things. Come on, is everybody with me this morning? Online, you with me today? Here's the second truth that he offers us in Colossians. He says, the knowledge of his will comes by spiritual wisdom and discernment. Spiritual wisdom and discernment. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's how we gain his will. Writer and author John Stott writes this, prayer is not a convenient device for opposing our will upon God or for bending his will to ours, but the prescribed way of subordinating our will to his. It is by prayer that we seek God's will, embrace it, and align ourselves with it. Every true prayer is a variation of the theme, your will be done. See, prayer should be the natural disposition of a believer. 
yet there is this idea, this mystic idea that has been applied to prayer. And for many of us, come on, prayer scares us. Right? Prayer frightens us. How many of you have ever been, not, not, don't show hands, but how many of you have ever been asked to pray at dinner before? And all of a sudden, you feel like you are on a job interview. <laughs> hey, hey, John, can you pray? And you're like, uh, uh, <clears throat> I got something in my throat. Can, can Susie pray? And Susie's like, uh-uh, no, I ain't praying at all. Uh-uh, toss it to the three-year-old. And she's like, Lord, pops, right? Like, Spiritual wisdom and discernment is the product of prayer. And the will of God is acquired through spiritual wisdom and discernment. Why? Because prayer helps us know who God is. And the better we get to know God, the easier it is to recognize his will, his purpose, and his plans. See, spiritual understanding and discernment are greatly developed in real time. Every shout real time. Every shout real time. Real time, it's, it happens in real time. It's not like you sit down and be like, okay, I'm gonna read my Bible for four hours, and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna worship, and then I'm gonna develop spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is developed in real time. When I'm walking through my situations, when I'm walking through my issues, when I'm walking through my addictions, when I'm walking through my brokenness, when I'm just walking in general, that is where spiritual development takes place. That's when I learn to understand, and check this out, recognize who God is and where he's moving, all right? I will offer this to us. In some ways, understanding and recognizing the will of God comes from a just knowing. You start to develop it, and, and the knowing of what God is doing and where he's moving and how he's moving comes by way of relationship, connectedness, right? There are certain things that my wife can start a sentence now 15 years in, and I can finish that sentence, Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? In relationship, we know what the other person's potentially thinking because of that look on their face. Right? I know even here amongst our team, we've been doing this long enough with each other now, I can walk in with a certain look and the team knows what I'm thinking. There's certain people here today that are super close to me and they understand like, oh, that's what he's thinking. Oh, that's what he's feeling today. Why? Because we've been in close proximity. So we struggle with the will of God and it's not because God's not speaking to us, it's because we haven't brought our proximity to him. So it's about getting closer. I want to illustrate it this way. Many years back when we first moved to Utah, we bought our first home here and we were working on our backyard. We had two kids at the time, Shiloh and Justice, they were much younger. And Eric and I went inside just to sit down and chill. And we're like, okay, we're going to start giving them space because the backyard's fenced in and they can't do anything stupid, okay? So parents, you would know this and, and understand this moment. How many of you know you hear your kids playing, you hear them playing, you hear them playing, and then you don't? Well, that particular afternoon, as we were sitting there talking, we were engaged in conversation. I believe we were drinking coffee and just hanging out with one another. It was a beautiful, glorious moment. And then all of a sudden, Erica goes quiet because all of a sudden her mom instincts, the just knowing of a mother kicked in. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And if you're not a mom with those instincts, many of us have had moms with those instincts, and that's why we were grounded a lot. <laughs> so Erica's just knowing kicked in, and all of a sudden she says, hey, be quiet, be quiet. Where are the kids? 
And I was like, we put them in the backyard. They should be fine. It's fenced in. It's a cage. We're good. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. And then she said, she said the statement that brings fear to every single parent. They're really quiet right now. We're like, oh, my gosh. So we jumped up, not knowing what was going on. And we walked out of the backyard. And my wife just is like, oh. And at first, I thought they were dead. I'm like, what is happening right now? I want to show you. We have these pictures. I asked Erica for them because she took them. Check out this picture. This is my two children. They found a five-gallon bucket of gray paint. You click the next one. It gets better. Oh, praise Jesus. Yep. Is there another one? Yeah. See, my kids are white. They're just now whiter. Now more pale gray. We didn't know what to do with ourselves in that moment. It had been starting to dry. And then we, we don't have the picture of the fence, but there were handprints so lovingly placed on our fence. I, I show you these pictures to help us understand that the reason we knew that something was going on is because we are connected to our children. So they didn't have to tell us something that was happening. We didn't have to know that something was happening. We knew that something was happening. And I want to submit to us today that when it comes to understanding the will of God, part of that will comes by way of proximity. It comes by way of connection. It comes by way of being in his presence and encountering him. We worship this morning, and for some of us it's an awkward reality because we don't know what it is. But can I invite you into the journey of saying, God, this is your space. Have your way in my life. And as I worship, as I read his word, as I'm in prayer, as I'm in proximity, all of a sudden there's a knowing that takes place deep in my soul and so when I'm walking through trial when I'm walking through temptation when I'm walking through the things alive all of a sudden there's a knowing as to where God is at and how he's moving in me he teaches me and all of a sudden because of this proximity that I have with him oh understanding his will and then praying it becomes such a different reality in my life here's the third truth that Paul offers to us he says the knowledge of God's will should flesh, it, flesh itself out practically in our lives. So he says now in Colossians 1, 10 through 12, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, so that you understand his will. We pray for the knowledge of his will, that you're filled with the knowledge of his will. You guys remember that part? You're filled with the knowledge of his will, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance and the light. See, the knowledge of God's will should bring change to both our sanctuaries and our cities. The knowledge of God's will should bring change to both our sanctuaries and our cities. The knowledge of God's will should flesh itself out in our streets, our families, our workplaces, our churches, our marriages, our dating relationships, our friendships, our table groups. Wherever you find yourself, the knowledge of God's will changes everything. Come on, is anybody in, in church with me today? See, when we pray his will be done, we must understand that we are inviting God into every aspect of our lives, not just to give us what we want. The most secret of places and the most public of places, his will be done in our lives should change our lives practically. I guess what I wanna offer us this morning is this truth, 
we have to ask ourselves the question, am I praying his will or am I praying my will? We'll talk about what prayers of his will looks like next week because the Bible offers to us some pretty plain realities. I want to close on this because the team comes back that I think is really relevant to where we are at right now as a, as a people, as a society, as a culture. We all, at some degree or another, have experienced some sort of pain and suffering, especially over the past six months. Is that, would you guys agree with me on that? Or at least you've been one degree separated from somebody who really has. I mean, maybe for some of us, you're like, man, I haven't had to leave my house in six months. This is awesome. I'm good, right? But for many of us, this has been a really hard moment. For many people around the world, this has been an extremely difficult moment. And I think one of the questions that gets wrestled with, especially when it comes to the will of God, is that there is no possible way that this is a part of the will of God. I want to offer to us today that even pain and suffering coincides with the will of God. No one likes to say amen to that moment. Now, are you asking, Jason, did God, did God cause this moment? Uh-uh. He's a good God. Every the Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God the Father. This is not a good and perfect gift. But what we are experiencing in life right now coincides with the will of God, and he can actually use it. Let me prove it to you biblically. 1 Peter 4.19 says this, So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. That means that we have a God in heaven who actually works with us during these moments. Peter is saying in the worst of circumstances, pain and suffering, we can entrust ourselves to God and his faithfulness. And that faithfulness gives us the strength to continue to walk according to his will. So I need us to recognize right now that you and I can walk every single day. You can walk out of this building today and realize that even in the hardest of circumstances, I'm still in the will of God. He's still keeping me. He's still guiding me. He's still protecting me. He's still working with me. You fill in the blank. But no matter what happens in life, if I can just shout it down for a second, it does not stop the good and perfect will of God. And so he says, pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we can go to God with this prayer. I want to close with telling you a story that I heard about a man named Booth Tucker one of the great founders of the Salvation Army and a minister concerning this issue of trusting God's will even in the worst of circumstances. One day, Booth Tucker preached in Chicago, the Windy City. And as he was preaching about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God, God's will being perfect, he got to the end of his message and a man came up to him at the end of the message and said to him, my wife has just died. And I bet you that if you had to stand at the edge of a casket like I've had to recently, there is no way you would be preaching this message. Well, just a little while later, Booth Tucker lost his wife in a railway wreck body was brought to Chicago and carried to the Salvation Army barracks for the funeral service. 
After others had conducted the funeral service, he stood there by the casket, looked down into the face of his wife and mother and said, the other day when I was here, a man said, I could not say Christ was sufficient if my wife were dead and my children were crying for their mother. If that man is here, tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is all broken and my heart is all crushed. My heart is all bleeding, but there is a song in my heart and Christ put it there. And if that man is here, I tell him that. And though my wife is gone and my children are motherless, Christ comforts me today. And in that moment, that man started walking towards Booth Tucker. And as he walked down the aisle, he came and fell down beside the casket and said this to Booth Tucker, surely if Christ can help us like that, I will surrender to him. And see, for many of us, we stand here today, sit here today. We come in here today with heavy hearts and weighted shoulders, not, not realizing that in the midst of these circumstances, God is still faithful. And it's not some pithy prayer that Jesus is offering. He's actually saying, when you pray, pray like this. Oh God in heaven, you are glorious. You are mighty. You are majestic. And today I surrender to you. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And because he's over everything and because he works in all things and because he's moving and shifting because he is the God of the universe who put the stars in the sky. Oh, come on, church, right now. We got to understand that his will will work itself out. And it's a good will. It's a perfect will. So much of us simplify it down to what will I be when I grow up and who will I marry? Will I get the promotion? And then, then, then. Can I just ask us for just a moment to first recognize and realize that his will is to be in communion with you and I. It's to be in relationship. It's to be the one that we lean on. It's to be the one that we go to. In the quiet, dark moments of our hurt and our frustration and our pain, he's the one we speak to. In the throes of our addictions that we thought we were going to beat, he's the one that we lean on. When the marriage isn't going the way that we want it to and the kids have left and it doesn't look the way that we want and the bank account says zero and the doctor says, I don't know, I want to offer us this suggestion that, that the will of God is still perfect. He's still with you. He's still for you. He's standing with you. So it's in that place that we pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. I don't know what brought you in here today. But I stopped believing in coincidence a long time ago. Now I just believe in his will.